0: Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Rashmi Kumar. Rashmi is the Chief Information Officer of Hewlett Packard Enterprise, a multinational enterprise IT-focused company with revenues exceeding $27 billion annually. As CIO, Rashmi is responsible for the company's digital transformation. She also serves on the board of directors of Myriad Genetics. In this interview, Rashmi offers her perspective on HPE's digital transformation, the benefits of moving the company's headquarters to Texas, and the company's focus on what she calls digitalization to the core. Rashmi talks about how HPE acts as customer zero for many of its offerings, allowing for a better understanding of technology's limitations, while fostering honest communications with HPE's customers about the offering. Additionally, we discuss how HPE assessed its ability to transition 60,000 employees and 20,000 contractors to work remotely during the pandemic, and why focusing on company culture was critical for the transformation. Finally, Rashmi offers advice on how best to obtain a position on a board, ways for companies to sponsor and foster diverse organizations, and a look into some of the trends in IT that HP is focused on. If you enjoy Technovation, please consider reading my new book, Getting to Nimble, How to Transform Your Company into a Digital Leader. The book's now available on Amazon or wherever else you buy books. As a special offer to our CXO listeners, if you purchase 50 or more books for your team, I'd be happy to join your team for a group discussion on it. To learn more, write us at information at or visit gettingtonimble.com. Thank you. Before we get to our interview, I wanted to introduce you to our sponsor, Zoho and the company's president, Timothy Casby. Prior to taking on his current role, he was the chief information officer of a number of companies, including Reliance Industries, Sears, Intrexon, and the Warehouse Group. He's now at Zoho, a most unusual enterprise software company, and wanted to share some perspectives from it. Timothy, take it away. Yes, Peter,
1: I want to be the last person to come between you, that excellent podcast of yours, and your listeners. So let's put it this way. When we are talking about managing an enterprise, or a pandemic, or or anything in life, getting the right information to the right people at the right time is key to success. And that was the thought behind Zoho One. We created a suite of 50 plus products and integrated them so to ensure that everyone in the enterprise, be it customers, employees, or stakeholders, were kept abreast of changes, developments, at the right time, so that everyone is able to be effective and productive um, while managing business as usual, crisis of a pandemic, or any other issue ongoing. Take a good look at Zoho.com.
0: And now on to the interview, Rashmi Kumar, welcome to Technovation, it's great to speak with you today.
2: Thank you, I really appreciate the opportunity, Peter.
0: Absolutely. Well, Rashmi, you are the Chief Information Officer of HPE, and I wonder if you could take a quick moment and describe your role. No, no two CIO roles are exactly the same. How does it? How does the role apply in your case?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, actually. So as CIO um, at HPE, when I came in, it was a very interesting juncture. As you know, HPE has gone through major transformation in the last uh, five to six years. Uh, when I came in, uh, we were just in the second year of uh, our relationship with one of our uh, providers where uh, we had decided to outsource majority of our IT support. Um, When I came in, we were um, supporting 80,000 users um, as well as running a very strategic next-gen IT program to transform our ERP landscape. As well as uh, we were supposed to do data data center moves, follow on our strategic um, Direction of transforming the company to everything as a service, um, as well as get to a point where we achieve our customer partner satisfaction. So, I embarked upon a journey to rebuild the IT team, create smart sourcing or right sourcing of of roles. And at this point, in um, almost 14 months of my being a CIO, I have an organization of 685 people moving on to almost 1,100 people by end of this year. Uh, Classic CIO role in some sense, where uh, we we are responsible for three key areas, technology operations, including typical data center network, infra, cybersecurity enablement, end user computing, um, as well as collaboration. Um, Second, the enterprise-wide applications tools, as well as supplier partner landscape that run the business from lead to cash, supply chain, and services. At the same time, we are also responsible for delivering a fully integrated ecosystem of automation, digitalization, and data analytics to enable our digital transformation to be a edge to cloud platform as a service company that we are on the journey for.
0: That's excellent. Well, I certainly would love to delve further into several of those topics. Um, Before we do, though, another thing that's been very interesting about uh, the recent months is the announcement that HPE, one of the uh, arguably perhaps the founding company of Silicon Valley, is moving its headquarters to Texas, where you are based. You're in Houston. And uh, talk talk a bit about that move and, and what it will entail and perhaps some of the IT implications of the move as well.
2: Yeah, that's that's an interesting one because um, when I joined, I joined as a Houston uh, leadership team member. We had a big presence in Houston because of our Compaq acquisition in early uh, 2000. Uh, Great headquarters started by uh, Compaq, but at the same time, um, HP Inc. had moved to a new headquarters. So we had also announced move to a newer headquarter in the same area. We have a pretty large team in uh, Houston for, across all business units from our services point Pointnext, from uh, IT as well as finance and global operations, uh, across the board. So I think this uh, move does not mean that we will not be present in Silicon Valley. As you said, we are the founder of the Silicon Valley, so we will still have a base there We'll still have engineering, um, specifically our Aruba-type uh, organizations um, heavily there. And nobody is forced to move to Houston. The right. Silicon Valley office will go on. But at the same time, we felt having that base in Houston that it made more sense um, to, to be our headquarters here, as well as we have big presence in uh, Dallas, as well as in Austin uh, also. Mm-hmm. So it kind of between... Uh, three cities in Texas, Roswell, and um, in our Northern California, as well as the uh, original headquarters in, in, in the Silicon Valley, we we'll still have the same level of presence. But at the same time, the business headquarters has moved to Houston. We have strong partnership with uh, an investment in uh, University of Houston Data Science Institute, as well as the education ecosystem will give us opportunity to hire the best and the brightest from um, the schools in Texas as well and grow our presence here. And it'll give us better leverage since we have now moved the headquarter here. As you know, the demand for resources and technology companies higher than ever. So it gives us more opportunity to expand our um, kind of attractiveness to the newly minted graduates from the Texas universities as well
0: makes sense makes good sense. Thank you for that overview. You began to allude to some of the areas that are strategic priorities for you and your team and I'd love to go into some more depth into some of those as well. T- talk a bit about some of the the topics that you and the team are focused on uh, that are you know particularly exciting from your perspective as you as you look to the the months ahead.
2: yeah it's uh, it's extremely important the uh, the way Antonio has envisioned where do we need to go. Um, I think when he joined as the CEO a few years back, Antonio Neri. Um, Antonio Neri, our CEO, he had the realization coming in that we are an 85 year old company with 30 year old processes and technology. So uh, digital transformation was a must for us. And I can tell you it's uh, nothing but a CIO's dream to have any digital transformation priority as the company priority which Antonio Neri has. Um, We have been on the digital transformation journey for almost three years. Um, First from the approach of our core processes and transformation. So we are on this NGIT program, which is consolidating 29 ERPs and 11 SAPs into one S4 HANA implementation globally. The program uh, had a bumpy start, but because of Antonio and the executive committees and the board's sponsorship, uh, we have come a long way our technology build is almost complete 30 to 40% of companies revenue run on it and by june we will have 70% and hopefully by february uh, of 22 we'll be done with transforming and retiring almost 500 applications to come on this new ecosystem which is extremely critical and it is not only a cost play, it is a cybersecurity play, it is simplification play, it is our ability to digitally transform better. rethink customer experience, right? We see this more than ever, that how customers now wanna engage any service, it is consumer facing or business to business. You cannot provide that digital experience to a customer unless you have um, the backbone inside the company. I call it digitalization of the core and not just experience. The second piece is in 2019, Antonio got up on the stage during Discover and announced that by 2022, we will offer every product also as a service. That means we'll bring the cloud to you. Antonio and the team realized early on that more and more computation will go to the edge and then connectivity between edge and cloud will become very important. If you look across the industry, connected car, retail going to e-commerce, where houses become edge. Um, If you look at healthcare and hospital, hospital is now an edge computing place. So we needed the cloud that could come to these edge locations to run computation efficiently and connect with cloud to provide what public cloud provides. And this bet has proven very, very valuable. But as I said, this is a digital transformation in true sense where we still being a technology company, we are thinking differently around how do we convert from a physical product, which we once sold and came back three years later to refresh versus continuous engagement with our customer and really understanding how they're interacting with our products and using it, it also meant a huge transformation in the way we did code to cash and customer engagement or partner engagement. So um, he challenged us. And uh, I'm glad to report that we have delivered. We launched some of the as-a-service products last Discover. We are in the process of delivering a few again um, this Discover. So if you look at our Aruba ESP product, which is now as-a-service bandwidth availability or Storage and compute, AI, ML ops. Uh, we are building superior technologies in that space, which now our customers can use as um, consumption basis versus buy capital and depreciated over
1: years.
0: Very interesting, and 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 you highlight how the transformation uh, inherent in your answer, Rashmi, is there's a transformation happening within HPE that in many ways uh, mirrors or perhaps even precedes the sorts of transformations the company may assist uh, your customers with as well. And as so many of the company's customers are your peers and your peers' organizations as uh, CIOs, as technology leaders and executives, talk a bit about the role you play in being an advocate um, as, a, as a peer, a peer advocate as opposed to a salesperson uh, on behalf of the company, uh, on behalf of HPE.
2: Yeah, so I think that is the part of the role that I enjoy most here. As you know, I've been in many different industries, from manufacturing to utilities to entertainment and healthcare. Um, but here, the opportunity to be customer zero—not only for me, but for my team also, right? As we define these products, define the customer experience, we are the first one to uh, to use it. So the. Colos um, or the data, new private cloud data centers that we have built in HPEs or HP's history, it's the biggest HPE on HP implementation. Everything uh, from compute storage network, everything is HPE built by HPE services for us. And, uh, and, and we are the customer zero. So we give the feedback back to the product team, work very closely with them, understand the limitations, And when I get an opportunity to stand in front of our our customers, I have a very honest discussion with them and explain why consumption in this space is better to be in your hands versus it could be in your data center, it could be in our colo, it could be in your colo versus completely public cloud because I have experience using that, right? If they're looking at our network solution I can give them even metrics to a point that how many Aruba access points have running, how many people use it every day. One, one great example during the COVID time and when we all had to rush to implement superior security was the Aruba access points. We were able to roll it out. It created a different level of seamless experience that you don't have to dial into VPN. That device was intelligent enough around what you're using on your computer as a user and which traffic needs to go where through VPN or through directly through cloud proxies. So yeah, when I, I get opportunity to get in front of our customers, I do talk about the pluses and the minuses of doing what we are doing and how we are working closely, even with the public cloud providers to create that hybrid cloud, which was also a term I think was invented by HPE earlier.
0: <laughs> Very interesting indeed. Um, I wanted to also ask you about um, the, these most unusual times, uh, the the past uh, year and change uh, since early 2020 of uh, operating a lot. I know you and your team, many of you anyway, operating virtually primarily. Um, I wonder if you have had a chance to reflect on some of the key learnings of this period and as well as reflections on what aspects of the changes that were forced upon us will likely continue based upon the benefits that were derived from them? Any initial thoughts on that? Yeah, Rashmi? this is
2: a very, um, what should I say, a rich question. Right? There are so many <laughs> aspects of it. So I, I took the role in January and uh, February, I did uh, my first face-to-face with the leadership team, which was there. Uh, we came up with some uh, heavy bets uh, to go and make. We still have that whiteboard picture that we took when we were together and and use it as a kind of a build out of our operating model and strategy. And one part of that was, as I mentioned earlier, to go from 314 people to 1,100 people. So it impacted the core fundamentals of how the team worked um, with this overnight shift. So if I look at operations, we were okay, because um, thankfully a lot of credit goes to my team here who started preparing in January when the Beijing event happened and they were ready. They had done an assessment of network uh, bandwidth, uh, Skype workloads, ex- email information, and they had beefed up the infrastructure so that we can quickly move 60,000 employee and 20,000 contractors to work from home. But at the same time, when I was doubling down on our uh, recruiting and employee engagement efforts, we we needed to think very, very differently. As I was hiring um, almost 800 people, this was my only opportunity to hit my passion, which is inclusion and diversity. So get the right set of people in the organization, but at the same time, uh, follow through my commitment to that. Uh, as well as when I create an experience for the employee through the interviewing process, onboarding process, and then engagement process after after their year, it took a lot of effort from my team's perspective to ensure we are uh, achieving those. So we started advertising on 35 different diversity groups across here in India and in Ireland where we were hiring and making sure that we were holding our partners in recruiting very accountable to do that. But at the same time, I took it upon myself that I had an onboarding call every month by myself and then bring in other leaders to do uh, their level of onboarding call as well as the skip level engagement. Culture was really critical when we had folks who have been here a long time, who have been a couple of years, and now there are a lot of new people coming in. So we focused on that as well. And then the last but not the least piece is continuing with the transformation. We are a global company. We are interacting with thousands of people, tens of different partners, huge number of customers to continue down this journey of transformation. And as we deploy different countries across the MEA and now North America, we have been able to create, a, I would say, an ecosystem and a platform and an understanding where I would accept people are tired and worn out and burnout because of this virtual work. But we are still able to deliver on, on our program commitments uh, of digital transformation.
0: Very interesting indeed. Thank you for that overview. Another very, uh, another interesting uh, development in, in your professional life uh, over the course of the past year is you joined a board. You're uh, a member of the board of Myriad Genetics, a, a biotech firm in the precision medicine space. Um, talk a bit about your pathway to board membership and uh, and some learnings from that experience, especially again uh, now now uh, as a board member, uh, primarily virtually, presumably uh, so far.
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, that that has been really an exciting part um, of my last year, to be honest. In light of everything that's happening across, so I would say around four or five years uh, ago, I started. Uh, thinking about this role and primarily because of interactions with other um, CIOs where they were either playing a role or they were uh, thinking of getting a role um, in, in, in a board. Uh, a lot of uh, camaraderie in the group of uh, uh, both female and male execs who have been able to get there. My biggest challenge was, I'll be very honest, it's not a qualification, it's not my ability to find a role or interview for it. Um, It was primarily making time to to even have a board bio and a resume (laughs) which I can take out to somebody. And uh, thank you to HPE who sponsors a program called Ready Now where our board members as well as Antonio Neri himself commits to meeting a small group of female executives in the company to give them training and awareness to groom themselves to be a board member. And that event enabled me to come up with a board bio and resume, which I shared with some of my mentors and sponsors saying, hey, I'm here, I wanna do this. Here is my resume and board bio, please give me a feedback. And one thing led to other and somebody did recommend me. I had to go through a very long and thorough interview process, but I'm uh, fortunate to say that I did get this role last September. I would say the experience-wise, I'm really amazed at the effort that the existing board, which was itself transforming, uh, put in to bring me on board and a couple other uh, folks, as well as, again, virtually give us an onboarding experience. and bring us into the fold, because Myriad itself is going through a huge transformation. Again, we are focused on digital customer experience. So somebody like me is very valuable at the board level. And then everything that's happening from cyber and compliance perspective in the healthcare organization. Um, But I'm very thankful to the chairperson of the board who took her time to give me feedback, to compliment me when I was doing right. Um, and kind of bring me to the fold. I'm very excited, hopefully, for June board meeting. We all will be vaccinated and I'll be able to meet with some of them in person. Um, But at the same time, huge gratitude to my sponsors and mentors who helped me uh, to get here. But biggest lessons learned is it will not happen until we put ourselves out there, right, to tell people that we are interested, um, because then nobody knows that I have the qualification and the willingness to do something like this.
0: Very interesting. Yeah, thank you. That's great advice. I wanted to uh, ask you more generally speaking about uh, your thoughts about uh, women in technology. You obviously have been somebody who has successfully uh, climbed the rungs towards uh, executive leadership, uh, as a chief information officer of a major organization. Um, what are some of your own thoughts as you reflect on your own journey? And as you think about the, those to come behind you and sort of where things stand, how things have progressed from your perspective?
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, that's a very weighted question. Let me say this. So when I look at uh, my own career, um, I grew up in a small town in India and, uh, my family always believed in me. My mother, um, who I lost this last December to a fight with cancer, um, she had told me from the time I remember myself is that you will be a doctor and an engineer, right? So that kind of created this mindset that I can do what I want to do. Um, it was a maybe it was naive on my part, but it was a late realization of a glass ceiling <laughs> because till then, Uh, whosoever I work for or the people who work with or the family across my um, in-laws as well as my own family, I was the star, I could do anything that I wanna do. And I feel that's extremely, extremely important for either a female or male, right? To instill that confidence and the grit, right? Um, Ability to take chances and risk because you know you have the talent even you might not have all the skills and competency to go, go figure it out. I personally feel that in this day and age, there's so much conversation around it. Um, it is giving more people opportunity to see what's possible and it's opening a ton of doors for, for them, for female engineers, for female talent, driving them towards a, a STEM or the technology career. We just need to be careful that this does not create the thinking around them that, oh, so many people are talking about it, that means it's very hard, right? Which is not true, but people who are young and naive, as I said, like me, we need to position this very carefully to say, it's about the talents, about the competency and your willingness to go um, get something that you think you deserve. And also the understanding of what we deserve um, as as a person. So the other aspect of it is people who are in these roles, um, either me or um, other male counterparts or, or any demographic that you come from, come from. paid forward should be a big part of your, um, your agenda by working on company issues, technical issues, making sure we engage with organizations. So as HPE, we are very closely linked with um Hispanic IT technology leaders, Latinas and Girls, Girls in Tech, and myriad of these organizations because they have taken the effort to build an ecosystem and they need sponsors and uh, supporters like us to be able to give confidence to the people who they're investing in that there are jobs for them and they can grow and achieve. So I personally and my broader team believes in sponsorship and mentorship. Uh, for junior resources because technology talent is rare today and if we don't keep them excited about being here and show them what's the art of possible, we'll not be able to retain them and we'll not be able to be successful as a company. So Mm -hmm. at at one point when I was hiring in India, the only diversity I can hire there is um, female and uh, I was at 40% of women hiring in uh, our Bangalore office. So Not to undermine the efforts that my team put in, but there were results for the efforts that we were putting in. So as leaders, if we make it in our mind that we are going to make this place a better place for all diverse, underrepresented communities, we will be able to find people who we can hire and groom um, to be the future of the company.
0: Very well said. And my, my condolences for the loss of your, your mother. Thank goodness. She lived to see the, the great heights that you've achieved in your, in your career. Um, I, I wanted to close, Rashmi, by by asking you about uh, tech trends. You've mentioned a few of them and th- those that you're already taking advantage of. But as you look to the future, are there any additional ones you'd like to um, underscore?
2: Um, yeah, that's, uh, there, there are various technologies. Investment from VCs as well as private equi- equities and tech companies have gone, gone up uh, tremendously in the last few years. As I look at the transformation that we have been, right, those types of transformation only happens once in 25 or 30 years, right, where we completely change the business model to be as a service or we completely change the backbone of the company, which is ERP. But then what happens is the further innovation on the platforms that we've been. And most of the innovation comes from data and analytics because that's where you now with digital products you're creating what I call is digital exhaust and our ability to analyze that data to understand customer preferences, what they really want, um, upsell and cross-sell, those kinds of things, right? So, and the second piece is continuous process improvement. So we have seen a lot of automation and uh, RPA implementation, but I think the real value is in process mining, the way, we invested in '90s in data mining. Now is the time to invest in process mining and take out inefficiencies in the process and able to create better digital pipeline um, in the in not only in the technology but in the process that we have. So I don't see um, a very smart process mining and improvement technology or platform yet in the industries. There are a couple which have taken shots at it. But I think along with continuous focus on data and analytics, uh, process mining will be very key for companies as they go through their digital transformation.
0: That's a great one to, to, to highlight. Thank you, Rashmi. Well, Rashmi Kumar, thank you so much for taking time with me on, on Technovation today. It's been wonderful to gain some wisdom from your perspectives as a leader, uh, these most unusual times, how you've led through it, some of the areas that you're particularly excited about as you look to the future, whether it's your strategic priorities that you highlighted earlier, some of the tech trends that you've just mentioned. Uh, it's been a great conversation.
2: Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity.